I'd like to welcome everyone to today's broadcast of Truth, the reality under the headline. Today's guest, we got a two-timer. We got uh, Nick Richardson, you know, Army veteran, was with the Kosovo. You know, and uh, Nick created the program Greater Veterans. You know, in hopes that veterans would be able to receive the resources alike that you know so many are shorthanded. You know, help with the homeless population, everything as well too. Some of the things that we'll discuss today, you kind of. You know, provide individuals the resources and individuals that want to be a part of that, you know, regardless if you're up there in Washington, you know, around Mr. Richardson, or, you know, do you want to handle things remotely, you know, and have a satellite office or something like that, to where if you will come together, you know, the provisions to be made, you know, we'll discuss different things holding the country back today. We'll discuss why knives, you know, we'll just discuss different things of, you know, how Nick looks up to certain individuals and, you know, how we all have those that, you know, we choose who we look up to, which is actually vital in our lives. You know, if they're not like-minded, we're following the wrong course. So, you know, without further ado, Nick, welcome again. Glad to have you back. Thank you. And so I know during the last broadcast, we covered a lot of the greater veterans. And I wanted to, I wanted to touch on a couple of things, you know, real quick, if you don't mind that, you know, it's easy for individuals on the outside to kind of like look at different programs and it kind of goes with everything that when, when individuals see something or, you know, somebody gets a bad rap about, you know, where the, where the course of an organization is going, you know, are they in the business because of the monetary success that you can obtain by, you know, having said programs or are they in it for both? I mean, because, you know, without people, it's nothing. People have to be compensated for their time because this does take a lot of time. It costs a lot, and I mean a lot of money, to be able to provide specific resources, you know, to those in need, whether it be veterans or any other population, you know. And a lot of individuals don't understand. You know, you and I are going to kind of cover this about how self-funded everything has been from the beginning until, like, you know, as we sit now, to where you know you are able to, you know, do certain things that earns that money that keeps everything rolling, but it's the, the giving back into that a lot of individuals don't understand that, you know, even though you generate something, you're generating that to be able to give back and, you know, have the provisions for others. So, you know, that what you're doing is a great thing, but if you want to kind of cover some of the things or, you know, anything new that's came up, if you want to cover the concert and how individuals can donate to that as well, if you could share that with us. So, uh, the, during COVID, you know, in Washington State, especially because of our uh, tyrannical, I wouldn't even say socialist or communist, he's probably even further past that, Jay Inslee, or Inslees, as a lot of us call him. And I don't like the guy, so I don't care. But, uh, and it's not because of his party, it's just I don't support poor leadership, period. But uh, anyway, during the pandemic, or pandemic, they forced us to shut down a lot of our services in terms of live events. Uh, Greater Veterans from day one was built on live events. We use music because it helps with TBI, but it also helps take the veteran off what I call vet island and reintegrate into the community by being at one of our events, talking to people, find out someone else served where they served or someone's cousin, uncle, brother, went to high school with their mom or dad or something like that. So it helps uh, melt kind of the fog you get in when you're first out. I don't care who you are, you experience it, whether you want to admit it or not. You're like, these people are different than me. 
and it's there. You can't help it. It's no one's fault. It just is. Well, this helps you get back in the community and realize, okay, there are Americans worth dying for out there still. There's, you know, programs that are grassroots that aren't paying their CEOs and executives, you know, millions of dollars. And there are some out there that do that. We do not. Uh, a lot of us out there that are just starting out or even some that have been going five plus years like us are still grassroots, majority self-funded. And a lot of our events are geared at giving back. So we're on a constant, what I call a roll downhill instead of uphill because our name gets bigger and goes uphill, but we roll downhill because we spend money to put on an event and sometimes we don't always make it back. So you're going backwards to go forwards all the time. But the good thing on that is, is because we do work with so many musicians, veteran musicians, et cetera, as their name grows, it kind of helps ours too. So, you know, music playing a big life in my, my personal life, as well as seeing the effects it has on bringing people together. I support smaller musicians a lot of times and some big ones too, because they have a great message that helps everybody, not just veterans. So that's why we do it. hundred percent, you know, and, and that's, that's why, you know, you and I spoke before, you know, actually, you know, going live here in regard to, you know, a lot of individuals saying about the, how you've had it for the seven years and things like that, you know, cause a lot of individuals don't see the monetary aspect of, you know, how much capital it takes to make things like this happen, you know, and, you know, that's why if individuals, you know, see what Nick is doing and the great that he's actually providing to individuals that otherwise would be doing without, you know, and if you don't have to be hands on all the time, but if you're a grant writer or you have experience in writing grants, propose that to him, reach out to him, like, hey, look, you know, I could actually do this because there's so many different federal grants out there, even state grants out there that, you know, want to provide these services to individuals. So there's always something an individual can do because, you know, and, and that's why I commend you so much for sticking with it for so long. You know, I have different nonprofits and things, and a lot of times it is a lot of my out of pocket. So like my other businesses have to fund that, but it does become discouraging when, you know, we host an event and then because of having to pay the musicians for coming out, having to pay the vendors for setting up the food, drinks, or anything else that may be provided there, they're the ones making out out of the event. And then we walk away, you know, minimally funded or empty pocketed to where it was kind of for nothing. And the provisions that we were you know, trying to provide are now just as limited as they were before we held that event, you know, cause that. And, you know, individuals may walk away from like the events, like you said, because the music sometimes just brings people together and everything else. So they may walk away with that part of it, but it minimizes, you know, the actual cause of what you were actually trying to implement. Well, and, and that's, you know, that's absolutely a hundred percent correct. Uh, you know, we, we always have to gear our sponsorship package to both local and national. So we do have a bigger one for national donors if they want to donate more. But the other thing we wrote in our business plan early on, and we had, you know, uh, Nissan North America, I talked to a gentleman there that was their third in charge for North America at the time. And I said, look, Nissan can fund this. And I, you know, I told him the truth. I said, I'm not a big Nissan guy, but if it helps vets, I'll drive a damn Nissan. But I said, you know, why not name the center the Nissan Greater Veteran Center or something like that? And you guys help fund it. 
and you guys can put whatever Nissan dealer new model you want in one of the showrooms there and uh, help it out. And that's a proposal I've made time and time again to bigger people too, is, you know, hey, if you want to fund this center here, I want one in every state. Ultimately, why not put your name on it too? And you can fund it and you're also getting a tax write-off. And that's the thing that kind of still baffles me this far in is, okay, if you're a big business, you have overhead and sometimes you have losses. And one of the ways you can cover those according to the current U.S. tax code is to donate to a nonprofit or say a political candidate, for example, they have three basic choices and maintain a, a monthly uh, PDC report, which normally most of them pay someone to do or they have to donate those campaign funds or they donate to a PAC. And people don't realize that is like, okay, so what do you want to do? You want to risk it and find if you didn't win your election, do you want to give it to other people or why not do something good that'll say you lost in your campaign, ended on a high note by donating to a nonprofit in your community and people, you know, it's just, I don't know what the answer is sometimes. You see, and you know, that's one of the things too, is a lot of people don't understand how that works, how non-taxable, entities work it's like if you go to church okay when they pass around a basket if you just throw cash money in there that's a gift okay yeah. so you have gift donation and tithe okay that's why churches have envelopes to where you can check you put your name and everything on there and if you put that it's a tithe or you put that as a donation at the end of the year you receive a slip of how much money that you gave them same thing with nonprofits. that's why you know, unfortunately, you see these big celebrities and they do it for their namesake to say, hey, I gave to this charity, but realistically, it's for that tax break. So what happens is that, you know, we earn income. So if I'm making $5,000 a week after my taxes, everything that was taxed, if I donate that $5,000 to greater veterans, that's non-taxable income because it was donated to a, a nonprofit. So what happens is any taxes taken on that 5,000 go back into my pocket at the end of the year and everything else is reversed to plus overhead and things like that come back. I mean, it's pretty complex, but it's pretty common sense where it's like, Hey, I'm doing this for a good cause. And it yeah. becomes a non-taxable, you know, monetary aspect, you know, and supporting the cause itself. I mean, it's outside of like the monetary aspect. I mean, the good that you're being, uh, you're doing, you know, cause essentially, even though greater veterans is the one providing the services, essentially all supporters of that are also providing that service by making it impossible. That's why you see the Staples Center, even though they're not into, you know, basketball or anything else. It's, you know, that, that namesake and sponsorship, people saying that it's basically free marketing for them to draw others, you know, in. So. Well, and that's what I pitched to like, uh, for example, uh, back to the concert thing, you know, tour costs went up this year because everyone lost their ass in 2020. They made some back last year and they're trying to make more back this year by booking a lot of dates. I mean, normally you can book most people six months out. Some people are already full a year and a half out that I've talked to. And uh, they don't realize gas prices, food costs, hotel costs all go up. That raises uh, tour prices. And before before we continue, if you don't mind, I want to shout out one of our early donors, our biggest one uh, so far that's a gold level sponsor, her uh, husband's a vet, and they they like to hire vets. Uh, one of her sons is a vet. They also do a lot of great things for the community, not just veteran communities. So I just want to give them a quick shout out to Jim and April at uh, Prodigy Proper Property Management. So they're doing a lot of 
great things, not just for us, but other people. So I just want to thank them real quick. I believe in paying it forward and saying thank you like you should. That's amazing, you know, and especially with like with property management, you know, because that, that goes a long way too with them sponsoring things like that, you know, because that, that's where you get that, that duality as far as benefit for both, you know, providing the service yeah. and things like that to where, you know, as we all know, you know, homelessness amongst veterans is higher than it should be. I mean, a lot of it, I mean, everybody argues that people make themselves that way, but there are a lot of individuals that if provisions were made for housing and things like that, you would alter the course of someone's life to where, you know, you have individuals that are interested and are donating to a great cause, you know, such as like the property management and everything that where they can have that housing where it's set aside specifically for, you know, veterans and things like that, you know, so it's, and now I heard you mention about them being a gold sponsor. So is that something like within your organization where individuals have different tiers and individuals can have, have, have like monthly? Yeah. Uh, um, so we did for this event because one of our friends wanted us to set it lower since Deer Park's not a big city. But I thought, you know, if you don't have a, a different tier system geared toward each event. So like we have, I'm trying to find it here so I can read it to you real quick, but we have for you know bigger events and year round we did a military thing so like our top sponsor on our normal sponsorship level we made the joint chief of staff level is what we call it so that's like eight thousand and up um a commanding officer which we use a full bird colonel rank for that's four thousand to seven ninety nine and then it goes junior officer senior nco junior nco and recruit that's how we do our standard level because it's military themed but for this community and this series, we decided we'd do gold, silver, bronze, especially with the Olympics. And, you know, I wanted to do something kind of tailored towards the community we were going to do since it's called Deer Park. We were going to do like Fawn, Doe, and Buck, but they were like, ah, oh, that's too gimmicky. So we went with gold, silver, and bronze. So perfect. And, you know, another thing too that we discussed, you know, during the, the previous broadcast as well, too, is, you know, you see a lot of organizations that lose way on, you know, what the actual cause was, you know, yeah. they don't have their niche market. So if you want to cover again, as far as like, you know, what the niche services that you provide to veterans and everything are real quick. All right. So one thing uh, I'm big on, like our motto indicates is helping veterans achieve greatness. Right. So uh, what that means is everyone has a different idea of what greatness is, whether it's from becoming a great singer, which obviously I can help with, all the way down to a business plan, anything like that. So I have a wide array of contacts that I help them out with. So um, just connecting people, uh, being there as a peer support role, meaning, um, you know, unfortunately, I don't like to talk about it and get on the dark side too much. But, you know, I take veteran suicide calls, uh, depression calls, uh, veterans needing help or connections in a various thing, anything under the sun, uh, work on legislative stuff. MST right now is a hot topic I'm working on. Um, one of our best uh, claim officers in the area out of the Tri-County, which is up towards Colville, Washington, recently got unjustly let go from doing claims for that county. And he was one of the best in probably the Northwest, literally no joke. And I reached out to some congressional contacts, which 
did less than an adequate job of looking into it. So, you know, part of me wants to dust off my pants and get up and run against them. And another part of me is like, do I just let them continue to expose themselves as inadequate and then wait for the right time? So I don't know where I'm at with that, but, you know, just an all around advocacy group. Number one is our first goal. And then obviously the evac center and the services there that you can find on our websites, what we're working towards. You know, and, and that's a great point as well, too. And I love how you just said that as well, too, because, you know, you, like you and I just discussed before, you know, in regard to you have so many individuals that complain or want change, but there's no action being taken to create that, you know, so it, it takes that initiative, you know, the reaching out regarding, you know, because a lot of us, we doubt ourselves so much that, hey, if I, you know, contact Congress or if I write my legislation, let legislators, excuse me, you know, that it doesn't make a difference, but, you know, it always starts with one, you yeah. know, and, you know, individuals that go out there and same thing with like military or anything else. It's the, you always have the naysayers on the sidelines telling you what you should be doing differently or what could make things better, but they don't actually take the action to do that, you know, and, you know, a lot of that goes into what we open this up with as well, too, to where a lot of individuals, you know, fear the whole how much working capital it takes to actually go on to a venture like this or to make things happen, you know, finding the right sponsorships. But, you know, a lot of times, you know, finding like minded people, because, you know, obviously you see these issues, you know, these issues affecting thousands, millions of other individuals to where, you know, you start, you know, gathering those like minded individuals. You know, part of that Second Amendment, you know, us be able to form groups if we see that government is against us rather than for us to be able to form those groups and make things the right way and everything. You know, and that's kind of out of sight, out of mind to a lot of individuals. That's why I love having this discussion. You know, a lot of people get their panties in a bunch or, you know, go on an uproar because, you know, pointing out the realities. But, you know, it takes individuals like yourself to say, hey, you know what, I'll put the pants on and go run against them. You know, because, you know, d despite the fact of winning or losing, at least addressing that issue, now it's a, it's a front thought to all of those that, you know, want to say something, but don't. So I've never had a problem saying anything. I mean, I have a few article 15s from the army to prove it and write ups at my last job. And I'm not afraid to say what's on my mind or what the truth is. It's just, it, it's frustrating to me because, you know, we do need more veterans in leadership and not to say names but there's a well-decorated individual with an eye patch out of texas that has a less than stellar attendance record showing up for votes and i think you know who i'm talking about but uh you know i'm not trying to call him out because i do appreciate the individual service on as both a veteran and a nonprofit founder right but i also do believe that if Congress, the House and Senate doesn't show up for at least, say, like 85 percent of their votes. We need an amendment saying, hey, not that your party can replace you, your party must until and we need to emphasize the must part, because if anyone else has a normal nine to five job or any job and they show up less than 80 percent of the time or 85, you better believe they're getting written up and ultimately terminated for something because of that and, and, and that's a great point you know and i mean in, in one point that is obvious but blind to a lot of individuals is that in individuals running for a presidential office so you have senators or congress individuals that are being paid by us civilians 
to hold that role as a Senate in the Senate or in Congress or mayor. I don't care which office they're holding, but they're being paid to uphold the duties of that said office. But then for a year and a half, two years, it's, hey, I still want my paycheck on time, but I'm, I'm doing this other thing to run for a different job. You know, it's like having a job at Subway and, you know, putting your gloves down and telling your boss, hey, I want that same locker on my gloves here. I'm going to go look for a job at Quiznos for a couple of years, but I still want my paycheck on time. It's insane when you think about it. It really is. Well, well, well it is like, so I'm not going to say the congresswoman's name, but you know where I'm at so you can figure it out. But, uh, you know, during the government shutdown, when I was working for Homeland Security still, she came through and she said, you know, I'm not taking a paycheck during any of this and i can say i can say a small cuss word right okay oh, of course oh yeah. oh yeah of course this is all right just making sure so i, I looked at her. Advisory on it. <laughs> okay so i i looked at her straight in the eye and i said bullshit and she goes why and i i want to say it was 2012 but i could be wrong but speaker boehner passed a uh i, I don't know if it it's a bill or just a rule but he basically passed a rule that no members of the congress can forego their paycheck in the event of a government shutdown, like he made it to where they have to be paid. And I, I like to remind any elected official uh, not to get too far in the weeds, but I had an issue with the city councilman here uh, to continue on this subject real briefly. But he said, how many um, how many weeks should the city council be forced to hear the citizens uh, agendas or what's important to them issues etc and the top answer was three weeks and i wrote on there always and he got kind of huffy with me and i said don't forget we're a government uh by the people for the people right the constitution which words are biggest in the constitution we the people right then there's also the power of recall so i told him to enjoy his last term as city council because either myself or someone else will run his ass out of there i haven't decided yet and I said, so you want to declare war? You just did. And he goes, no, I'm a conservative. And I said, no, you're not. You're full of shit. You don't, if a citizen wants to address it, their elected officials, your answer isn't you only get three weeks to do so in a session. No. And then he backtracked. And of course, I screenshotted it and made it public for him. So, and the same thing with Kathy, you know, you're, don't tell me you're forgoing a paycheck and then take one, right? there's there's bills rules whatever you want to say preventing that then don't blow smoke up people's ass i understand most people don't follow politics like you or i do i get it and that's part of the reason there's a flaw in this country is because right. you can have disagreements in terms of party but fundamentals everyone should agree the constitution amendments you know bill of rights you know just general human decency you know yeah see on, on top of that as well too that's just like a town hall meeting right yeah you know, it's the, yeah, hey, you can attend, but then you're limited on how much time you have to talk about certain issues. And if their time runs out, what's convenient for them, there could be five more civilians that have issues that they need to address that affect everyone that's in that room and the community as a whole, but you're just shut out. It's like, oh, hey, we don't have time for you to listen when that's what you were appointed to do was to listen to the concerns and address the concerns of those within your jurisdiction, community, things like that is like, you know, the nation as a whole. So well, we, need, we need to shake it up. Like I've been looking at just different things we pay either taxes on or we license and registration things we do. So, you know, and I've argued with people on shows about it and just in person. 
they say, well, our forefathers didn't foresee our country growing like this. And again, I have to use that uh, bullshit word on that because they were very smart men and women back then. So you're going to tell me, like, say, for example, with the Second Amendment, they had no rational thought about weaponry advancing. Not true. Or, you know, I mean, where's pet licensing mentioned in the Constitution or how many pets I can have on the premises of my own property? Mm -hmm. I mean, what is that? Okay, so you live here, you can have four dogs where if you move a mile away, you can have 10. Who cares? As long as they're taken care of, who are you to tell me? You know, or concealed carry, look at that. You know, like, I mean, I you, you obviously know who I voted for and supported, but the only promise that individual did not uh, deliver on, which was one of the first promises made during their term in pres as president, was national conceal uh, carry reciprocity, right? Because, I mean, show me in the Constitution where it says pay your city or state money to carry a gun that the Constitution allows you to carry. It doesn't. And, mm -hmm. I mean, that, I mean, when you look at history and you study it like both of us have, and I'm not advocating for violence, right? Let's go with civil discourse always first. But our forefathers would have been throwing tea in the harbor by now. And then you look at, say, England and Boris Johnson. I shared it yesterday. They're getting rid of masks. They're getting rid of mandates. They're getting rid of lockdowns. So a, company, a country that we fought to break away from, that generally speaking has less rights than we do. They can't even really own guns over there. And I think knives in certain areas are even gone. But yet here we are, you know, under the tyranny we fought to, you know, leave. Why? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's 100%, you know, and that's one of the things, too, that gets conflicted so much within, you know, trying to argue the Constitution because of the fact of when federal government, you know, trumps state governments or municipalities or the cities. And, and that's where a lot of, like, civilians don't understand that breakdown of government, you know, but that's why there should be universal laws regardless of states being able to make their own laws but there are certain ones that you know imbibe by the constitution which are the rights of you i and every other civilian within the united states those are guidelines that no state being their own state can go against the u.s constitution applies to every state that you know we there's find lines and clauses for territories and things like that but within the states of the united states the constitution applies all the way across the board so if a state is imposing certain mandates or changing policy legislature it's going against constitution that's a federal that's federal that's when the federal government needs to put on their big boy pants and step in to say hey you know what regardless of this it's not right this is what we're still going to impose and you see the lackadaisical stuff going on you know statewide i know you see it a lot of yeah. the Northwest and in Washington. And again, it plays into that tyrannical aspect where they talk about things when it's convenient for them, their campaign, or what, you know, their agenda holds. It's like, you know, the, the riots were convenient when, you know, the election was going on. The civilians, you know, here or anywhere else outside of, you know, being within Washington don't understand that a lot of it still is going on. You know, and so many changes in policy and things like that, that individuals just don't know their rights. And I don't, I don't think any state should be able to violate anything, you know, that's in within the U.S. Constitution. That's a federal, federal job. And it needs to be, you know, imposed yeah. a lot more. So, 
Well, and it does. And I mean, like you look at, so like in Deer Park, Washington, where I live, right? About a year ago, a little over a year ago now, there was an individual not authorized to carry a firearm because he was a convicted felon. A, a round was shot in the air. No one was hit, right? So a lot of citizens here, including a current city council member, not the same one, a different one, uh, decided that we need to look at funding our own police department. So here, here's what I caution. I said, first of all, you already contract contracted with Spokane County, right? So that absolves the city of a high, high, high financial liability. So stay that way, number one. Number two, they don't understand the difference between a city police department and a sheriff because a sheriff's job is to back the Constitution. But the other thing is, let's say you want to fire one of them, right? A sheriff, you can fire simply by voting them out when their term's up. A police chief, if they were to be corrupt, God forbid, there are some, but I know a lot of good ones. Don't get me wrong. But say they were to be corrupt as a police chief, you have to go through the city council, city attorneys, their attorneys, police unions, city council, mayor. And it's like the rep. <laughs> yeah. So if you're already contracted with someone, why why absorb more uh, financial and fiscal responsibility than you have to? Why? Over yeah. one stupid incident. And, and, and speaking of con seeing that word contract, you know, that's why you see a lot of these different government agencies contracting out to third parties rather than having everything in-house, whether it be the municipality, city, state, county, and things like that as well, you know? so Yeah. Well, and that's what I'm saying. But, I mean, so circling back i hate that word i can't believe i just said that but going back so on that, yeah i hate that every time i hear that i get angry but uh, <laughs> I so excuse me for that but uh rewinding a little bit right so some of this ties into veteran issues too because veterans think a lot of them getting out that they're just going to get out of the service and the government's going to say you know what i signed that contract with you like an insurance company to identify or make you whole again for whatever we broke. That they're just going to say, you know what, Michael, uh, you broke your leg when you're in because of stupid leadership. So you know what, I'm going to compensate you 20% just out of the kindness of my heart. And it doesn't work like that. And that's why you need advocates and organizations that are willing to fight. And unfortunately, just like politics, a lot of the bigger organizations are all about money and paying their people and not services. And very few of the quote CEOs and some of these bigger nonprofits and companies have actually spent time on the on the ground taking a call from a suicidal veteran or a veteran in need, like a lot of us have. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference is, you know, people like myself, we're not influenced by money or power. We're influenced by doing the right thing and what we believe is right at all costs. Hundred percent. And on top of that as well, too. You know, organizations like yourself that are veteran owned, veteran ran, you know, veteran board. Yeah. A lot of the VAs nationwide, they have the counselors in place that never serve today. And that should that that should never, I don't care what planet you live on, be allowed. You know, a veteran talking to somebody that read a book that, you know, didn't wasn't exposed to the certain traumas and things like that that exist. It doesn't make sense to a veteran trying to open up about some of the things that are, you know, going on in their mind and their families and things like that on how they deal with things. So that's where, like, organizations like yourself, you know, provide that service that otherwise it should be done in-house. You know, we shouldn't need external organizations providing services that are ultimately guaranteed to you. 
you know, like you just said, you know, when, when you enlist into the military, I don't care what branch you enlist into, it's you're going to come out 100% of what you went in. But then, like, you know, when you're doing the uh, firearm training, it's, you know, hearings, you know, loss. You know, there's, there's so many different things that happen, you know, carrying, you know, full gear for so many miles, you know, it affects the back, the knees, everything else. You're not coming out 100%. And like you just said, you know, it's it's almost like an insurance underwriter that's going to find every little excuse not to give you what you're essentially entitled to. Well, and people, you know, I try and try and be outspoken when I do my Facebook lives or anything or interviews like this, where I, I talk about some of my issues as openly as I'm comfortable with. And I try and get more and more comfortable, but like, you know, with this two year slowdown thing, it's been a blessing and a curse because we we're not as busy as we traditionally have been in terms of doing events, but I'm taking more phone calls. And then I'm also rehashing things from my past that I thought I had isolated and dealt with it are coming back at weird times and slapping me across the face and you know affecting my mood and mindset sometimes too and it happens to all of us but what we need to do is get off the one size fits all solution for everybody like the va if you call the va and you're suicidal you'll get someone maybe a vet maybe not mostly no that's going to read off a script have you thought about harming yourself <laughs> you know, how many attempts, what did you do? And it's like, when I talk to somebody, I tailor what I say towards the individual. Most people that call me obviously know me or have seen me on social media or in person somewhere. And uh, I make it a point to say, okay, before we deal with what you just tried to do, are you okay? You're not bleeding, whatever is away from you, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, cool. What caused that? What issues in your life are causing you to consider not being here anymore? Is it, is it, say for a girl, you don't feel like guys find you attractive or is for a guy, vice could be the same thing. Or is it a job loss? Is it being a single parent? Cause believe it or not, I know more female vets that are single parents than males, right? And I'm not saying every situation is the same cause they're not, but a lot of times they struggle because their maternal instinct kicks in and they want to do more than they're doing. So they start to beat themselves up internally and internalize a lot of their stuff. And I just, I, you know, as a father to a daughter, I hate it deeply that we can send our women to war, whether it's our mother, wife, daughter, sister, aunt, whatever, niece, doesn't matter. But yet we're not affording them the same opportunities and realizing that they have different needs after service than, uh, Men do like look at the Spokane VA just a couple years ago, they were able to finally get a on site. I don't know if it was a gynecologist or what, but a doctor specializing in female female care before they were always outsourcing them. So that's a budgetary thing, too, is why wouldn't you have one on staff? Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's just common sense solutions that no one wants to talk about. But it's like, you know. If it, you know, what's that old kiss philosophy? Keep, keep it simple, stupid. It's that kind of deal. You know, it's some of it's not hard. It's just people have to roll up their sleeves. You know, our government, whether it's state, local or federal, have to budget for it. I mean, we want to give people walking across a border 450,000 just because they can walk across the border. But those of us that have served our country ain't getting no 450,000. 
you know? Yeah, I mean, even individuals in general, you know, struggling and doing the things, you know, they've lived their lives doing, like the Social Security itself. You yeah. know, people have to fight to get, you know, that and any kind of services for like medical and things like that that they've incurred because they held jobs and paid into Social Security. The same thing with the veterans, you know, you've paid into, you know, what you're owed by serving in the first place. You know, it's not something you should have to fight for, you know, and it is like you just said, you know, it has to be customized for each veteran. You know, PTS, you know, affects individuals in different ways. And that's where, you know, because all of us develop attachments in our lives. As human beings, we develop attachments. Okay, so even though everything may be okay right now for me, because I have somebody next to me or I have that attachment that I'm able to release any struggles that may be bottling inside, if I lose that attachment, what's going to happen? And everything comes at you full scale. And, and that's where, like you were saying in regard to, you know, the, the suicide hotline, let's just say, and you're asking them just questions off of that card to where they become frustrated. They start shutting down. They don't want to talk about it to where it was because they've had it for so long. No, I haven't thought of this before. You know, well, I've thought of it you know, five or six times now. But, you know, it's, uh, have you thought about hurting yourself? It's like, well, that's why I'm on the phone right now. You know what I mean? It's the, it, and it becomes condescending to a lot of individuals as well, too, to where, you know, what you say sometimes is going to determine if they stay on the phone with you or carry out, you know, unfortunately, you know, their actions of what they were trying to prevent themselves from doing. So. Well, and it's important for me, too, when I talk about that subject, because I, I don't want to say I hate talking about it, because if we don't, it becomes a stigmatism, whereas if we do, it helps people fight it. But the thing is, too, it's important for anyone. They can reach out to me. You know where my number is. You can post it. I don't care. Uh, I'll answer. You know, I keep in mind, too, I do have a life where I'm homeschooling my daughter now. So that's a whole nother can of worms. But people need to remember when you kill yourself, right? It's not just you that's affected. It could be your wife and kids, you know, your little brother or sister, a veteran that discovers you afterwards. And that's why it's important if you need help, if you're struggling, you reach out, not just to an organization or somebody, even if they're not a vet, right? Even if they don't know what the right answers or the right things to say are, at least talk to somebody. Because a lot of times it's just like, you know, if you're driving a car down the freeway, right? If you can keep your car straight and blow a tire and slowly pull over, you're going to be good. But if you panic, you're going to flip your car and probably get severely injured or dead. It's kind of the same thing with that. If you can at least talk to somebody, it's pumping the brakes. It's putting on your four ways, your flashers and saying, hey, I need some help over here on aisle 12, you know, and it kind of kind of slows it down and slows down the thinking process. And, you know, I, I think that's really, you know, as simple and meat and potatoes as it needs to be, you know. Yeah, I mean, because sometimes individuals just need somebody else to have that active listening. Yeah, I mean, it's one thing just to sit there and put on the headphones and listen to someone, but, you know, active listening is responding back to something that they may be saying, showing them that you're paying attention to them because a lot of individuals, you know, feel at wit's end because nobody listens to them. I mean, people may hear them, but nobody's really listening to them. They've heard the problems for months upon months, if not years, but nobody's responded back with the proactive ways of, you know, helping them deal with what it is that they're going through. So again, that's what happened. That's what happens with that whole shutdown aspect of everything where they just internally shut down and they feel nobody wants to listen to where, you know, being able to actively listen 
and responding at those key moments to show them that you're actively listening to them, you know, ultimately could make or break somebody literally, you know, and so it's, it's, it's taken for granted a lot of times. And, you know, some individuals that are, you know, in that position, like you stated, you know, they're just in that position to, to have that position. They're not really in it for the benefit of those that, you know, may have to call in to where you're ultimately holding someone's life or death in your hands. So. Well, and, you know, and I tell people too, and it's kind of the grim reality of it. And I chose to do this and I, in no way am I complaining about it, but I tell people, you know, how many times I've gone to bed hungry, horny, or had to reheat my plate four and five times because I've taken calls and I don't regret it. Right. I don't. But all I'm saying is, is if you're thinking about doing something, definitely do it, but know that there's going to be times where it's going to interfere with what you want to do. But if you're sincere about helping people, it's worth it. And that's the part that I think out of all of this that I enjoy the, the most is when I know someone's not able to reach what they want. And then they reach out to us and we continue to check in with them. And not only do we help them get through what they're going through, but then you also see them start to have success in their personal lives and you make them feel like family. And that's how I want to grow. This is just where everyone in our group wants to help everyone, whether it's here, whether it's in your state, no matter what, if I send someone to you, I know you'll help them. And it's about networking and helping people and putting like-minded individuals together. And that's how you uh, fix the veteran community, not with, you know, gimmicky TV commercials and brands that sway like a fart in the wind on their opinion on anything. It's, you know. Yeah. And, and that's what makes it hard as well, too. And I mean, cause you, you know, you just hit on that to where, you know, with when individual, like the like-mindedness. Okay. So you take a veteran that comes home, you know, their significant other, their friends, their family can be empathetic and things like that, but they can't relate to what they're trying to express over. So they feel so bottled in. And even though their significant other, their spouse, their kids, friends, family, coworkers, whatever the case may be, even fellow veterans may be listening. You know, are they really listening? You know, are they understanding what it is that I'm saying that I'm going through. And, and that's where the suicide becomes dangerous. It's just like a personal relationship. You know, if when two individuals come together and you guys are like-minded at the time, you have the same interests, same hobbies, yeah. you both watch football, you both like hiking, you, you know, whatever the case may be. But later in life, as you realize that, hey, we're not on the same page and you start distancing yourself, it's the same thing with a veteran coming home to where now they have all that, extra baggage instilled in their minds of what they just witnessed and went through, you know, in trying to have that same relationship that like-mindedness is missing. So that's why so many feel that there's nobody to talk to. That's why they, you know, that's why murder suicides happen so much. It's because, you know, individuals, even though they may have that action where they love that person, but then in the, it's, it's a two way. It's the, you know, I can't live without you, but Hey, here it is. And it's the, that kind of moment. I hate bringing that type of thing up, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. That, that like-mindedness to where, hey, I want to be here, but are you listening to me? Or are you just hearing me like, oh, hey, that's great. But, you know, when you're trying to describe what you've seen over in Kosovo to your wife or your kids or friends or family, there's no relation there. I, I, I hear you. This is, oh, this is how I deal with it. Yeah, I dropped a dish the other day and it startled me. 
you know, opposed to, you know, a bullet flying past your head, you know, it's, there's, there's a big difference there. And that's where it's so important for individuals, organizations like yourself and for greater veterans that, you know, has individuals in place that, Hey, I know I've been there, you know, so. Well, and it's, it's important too, you know, like, the media, when they hear veteran, they automatically think like, and not to knock on them because I have a lot of friends that are, but it, you know, to the media, you don't really get sound bites unless you were on one of the teams or, you know, ODAs or something significant that there's 4 million books and movies about. If you're just a little guy doing the work, they don't give two shits. And I mean, unfortunately it's the way it is. It's, but also we've done that to ourselves, in my opinion, in the veteran community, there's, you know, and I'm not going to say names, not because I'm afraid of backlash, but because I don't want to give them more play than they deserve in my life. But there's some bigger name veterans that I've reached out to on some things that veterans need help in their areas. and They won't even message me back or they'll blow smoke up my you know what. And there's a lot of that, too. And it, it just bothers me. It's like, you know, I, I reached out to a service dog organization because we want to do that eventually. We're just not there yet. About a veteran in their area that lost his dog because he had he was homeless and the police were harassing him. So they ended up tasing his dog because it was doing blocking techniques like it's supposed to. And I messaged a certain individual that has a uh, service dog organization. They didn't so much as say, I'll look into it. And that's what I'm saying. We're dropping the ball on the nonprofit side too, a lot of times, because if someone's not as big as you on social media, then you don't think their work is as significant. So you don't see them on their level. Whereas like with us, I answer all my messages personally. There's no auto anything. If you call the number, it goes to my cell phone. If you send an email, it comes to my eyes. And I did that on purpose because if you're the face of something, people don't want to talk to any of the other board members. Unfortunately, they want to talk to you. And if you're going to put yourself out there and say you're advocating for veterans, then either do it and keep doing it or shut the hell up and go away. Those are your two choices. All right. You know, it, it, that's why we, the, the movies Full Metal Jacket and Platoon, yeah. you know, in my eyes, were so great because they focused on the grunts. They focused on the, the little ones, you know, making it happen. Because, you know, like you just said perfectly, that were, you know, that's what's lost sight on. You know, I mean, yeah, it does take the commanders and things like that to point the fingers and kind of, you know, direct and to plan and to organize and to implement the different strategies of why we're going to be successful. But without the grunts, it's the same thing with, you know, here in the, anywhere, you know, yeah. an employer, you know, without your grunts, you're nobody. But how many times do you see them recognized? How many times? And, and, and that goes a long way because that's why a lot of individuals like talking about the suicide awareness, you know, it's the what was all this for? You know, I gave my everything. I did have a passion about that, but you know, you know, we don't do it to get patted on the back, but in the same sense, a little bit of recognition can go a long way, you know, to where it's the, you know, why, why do I even do this for it? And I, then I come back home. I mean, look at Vietnam, for example, you know, all those soldiers that came back home and being spit on and things like that, like they were the ones that decided to, you know, that they were the ones making the call. They were just serving under a command of which they had to do. And, you know, that in itself became a, a political war rather than an actual needed war where, you know, that's when the industries were starting to get up about clothing. I don't want to get into all that stuff, but yeah. you know, it affects individuals on a large scale because it's like, 
you know, I did this for the better. And, you know, the disrespect that I'm receiving, I can't even get help because my medical isn't 100% as when I went in and served. And, and people get pulled away from that. You know, it's just like the news. You know, they always found, find the, the I'm not going to, I don't want people to take this the wrong way, but they always find the, you know, the, the worst in the community to put on national TV to describe what they just witnessed. Oh, yeah, that's what I just seen. You know, it's like yeah. they just try to find that person to put on there. And it's, but when you try to recognize those that make things happen, it's always the CEOs or the higher ups that, well, I made a decision to, you know, implement this in here, even though it took thousands of people or hundreds of people or the, the little men, the grunts, to actually make that happen. You know, and it's the, you're watching all the people on national TV, like, oh, yeah, hey, they're getting commended. All of my stuff was for nothing, you know? Well, yeah, and I mean, it's, you know, in our society, we became more of a money talks thing, but we've also been more of a bullshit talks thing. And, you know, I've I've never gotten paid to speak anywhere. I've never gotten paid to do any shows. Um you know, who knows, maybe someday I'll let someone cover my airfare and a beer or something. But I mean, I never did any of this for money or recognition. I did it because I felt there was a need for it and I felt it was right, you know, and that's as simple as it gets. But um, yeah. So how much of, you know, what you do with greater veterans is like for the growth and, you know, I'm not going to say the restructuring because it's one of the things that's great about it is the fact that, you know, you stick to the niche that of the services and uh, that you're trying to provide, but you know, how much of what you hear impacts, you know, redevelopment or the growth of greater veterans? Well, I mean, I take every critique and praise in the uh, same pot, so to speak. Um, I look at everything like, one of my biggest weaknesses as a leader is patience. So if I have board members that I'm like, hey, can you handle this task and it's not getting done? I just, okay, you know what? I'll do it. And my wife's like, no, you need to start demanding that people prove themselves or you need to move them out. And not to make it sound like I'm a dictator because I'm not. But, uh, you know, I've started the last couple of years, especially. And right now I can honestly say no disrespect towards anyone else that's been on the board, but I have one of the most active boards I've ever had in terms of energy, passion. And I think also part of that comes from me developing myself further too. And realizing sometimes it's okay to say, you know what, I think in the past this event would be a dud, but you know what, you're passionate about it. You know what, if you get sponsors and can show me a different way that would make this appear successful in my eyes, you know what, let's do it. And like the summer concert series, the great thing about it is for us when we do this is it gives back to the community. It helps de-escalate the fear that's out there right now. Uh, and, you know, it's just a way of giving back, not just to veterans, but literally everybody. And it's open to anybody. So if someone wanted to fly in from Florida, Tennessee, doesn't matter where, New York, they're welcome at our event. It's the summer concert series free, free of charge. It's meant to, you know, kind of bring things back together, you know. 100%, you know, and, and that's the thing as well, too, is, you know, it's one thing being like-minded, but, you know, even like-minded individuals still need to be open-minded to the other parties, you know, suggestions, critiquing and things like that, you know, that none of us would get to where we are today if, you know, we didn't accept criticism and things like that and have that open mind for, 
you know, change. You know, you don't have to change everything as a whole, but, you know, maybe implementing in different strategies or, you know, that's why you see the different, I'm not going to say piggybacking or merging, but you know, that's why you see different organizations to where, you know, your provisions may benefit it and get them ready for the next organization's provisions rather than trying to develop a new program yourself and kind of sway away from what your niche market is and your services and provisions that, Hey, look, we also have this other organization that once we get you to this point, I can refer you over to them, you know, because that's one of the things that individuals and organizations have a hard time doing is not taking everyone and being able to say, Hey, you know what, my service, my program, myself is not best or are not best suited for you, your family, whatever the case may be. So, well, and that's, I mean, that's true, but that's why we develop uh, deeper development into our core. But also what we do is we develop things that we like, a lot of our fans like, um, like I'm sure we'll talk about it here in the minute, in a minute. But uh, a friend of mine, Jason, I won't say his name name on here, but he lives north of me and he's a retired uh, operator. I'll say, I'll say that, but the guy did 30 plus years and uh, has a resume that's impressive just on what I know, not including everything, but he's been, he's been speaking out about what it takes to be a good parent, a good leader. Uh, some of his hobbies, his wife's a great photographer and writer. And it just, I, you know, it got me rethinking about, you know, some of my passions. And so, I've tried to take some of my passions and bring it into greater veterans, like uh, not to cut ahead of you and transition into some of the talking points here, but uh, like knives. I like knives because to me it's primitive. It's more rugged. Like guns are cool. I love guns, right? But knives are kind of a whole different animal to me. They always have been since I was a kid. So lately I've been getting into I won't say higher end knives, but more bushcrafting geared stuff. Uh, so we did the LT Wright company. I think they have less than 20 employees based out of Ohio. And they make some pretty cool bushcrafting knives. So I thought, you know, they're a company that probably got hit hard during the pandemic, even though they have a pretty loyal fan base. So I bought some of their custom knives for this year and raffled them off at our Christmas party. Awesome. You know, it's the, I'm a, I'm a knife to vet or knife knife to a uh, gunman myself, you know, but uh, it's, I don't know if it's the primitive aspect of it, but, you know, realistically, you know, especially in close quarters, it's like that, that 20 foot rule, you know, if somebody's pulling their fire on that 20 foot rule, if you got a knife and they got a gun, it's really to your advantage. You know, a lot of people don't see it like that. And with self-defense, yeah. you know, and there's a lot of like in law enforcement, there's a lot of agencies that it's, knives are restricted and it's kind of insane when you think about it you know because it would kind of help with all of fatalities and things like that because there's a way of defending yourself you know keeping the knife closed where you know people are trying to attack you i always suggest that females you know learn how to use a knife carry a knife for you know self-protection and stuff like that as well too but you know i collect knives myself so you get it but i mean like i'll i have two of them with me i'll show you real quick but uh so the first one, this is, I don't know if you can see it good, but it's like, they call it a snakeskin micarta. It's pretty cool. But uh, this is from LT Wright. This fire still, you've heard of the company Uber Lieben. They're based out of Bonners Ferry, which isn't far from me. But I mean, 
they're known for having the thickest if i can get the camera angle right here whoops the thickest spine in the business and like i tell people you know the reason you want a thick spine is so you're not using your blade if you're you know feather sticking fire building etc and then this one this is something i want to if i may talk about for a brief second too so uh navy seal Kristen beck she this is that uh purple heart wood out of africa and this is one of her knives and let's see if i can get the angle right but i mean this thing's like a sherman tank and knives so she built this for us to raffle off this year at some point we'll be doing but uh it's entirely hand forged and then she teaches hand forging as part of uh, mindful valor her nonprofit. so kind of something we're happy to work with and you know we disagree with each other on a lot of things but we're still friends we're a little bit opposite politically and otherwise but i mean you know it's just it's just cool the opportunities you have to work with other people help other people so that's one of the things that's cool about it too awesome and and also like you know a lot of people don't know what the bushcrafting is you know as far as like the, the customizing and things like that as well so you if when you're selecting your knives what do you look for so i'm i'm a big number one quality i prefer usa made i mean i do have some hella knives the hella viking which is out of norway they're good too but uh i try and get as many usa knives as possible i like looks but i don't want to spend a million dollars either because at the end of the day it's a tool so i'm more than just a collector majority of my knives i collect but not collect as in put on a shelf i actually use so i like something that holds an edge um i'm a big tool still guy so like 1075 1095 uh, 01 a2 you know not too much of a laminate steel guy the heat treats important because that not only helps keep the blade together but keeps it looking nice I still use, I go army style on my knives after I use them. I wipe them off with a light green pad and I use CLP when they're in the sheath. So, I mean, I'm that traditional and then grinds important too. People forget that, but you know. Well, a lot of individuals don't realize like how much just skin oil damages metal. That's like, on, I don't care if it's a firearm or a knife, you know, our, our skin oils will damage rust and everything else. And it actually, one of the biggest things against the integrity of the metal on our firearms or our knives. So that's yeah. what's funny, like you said about the, you know, cleaning with the rag and everything else too, is the, it's, it's an important step on, you know, maintaining, especially if you're collecting. So. Yeah. And mo I mean, I know collectors like LT Wright community, for example, there's some people out there, there's a private group. It's called the pout house. You pay 20 bucks a year and you get inside information on when new knives come out. You can custom design your own. They pick two different knives every, say, like three months. So it's kind of cool. But people have in this section there called the Barter House. And people will sit there and these guys will just buy knives, buy knives, buy knives. I don't know what they do for a living. But, I mean, when you're buying, you know, 180 on up dollar knives like they're free candy and then they end up trading them and they change hands. And a lot of these guys just put them on a shelf and it's like, I can't get behind a company if I can't use their product and say, Hey, you know what? This is durable and their product is. So that's why I use it. But, uh, there'll be a video, um, 
coming out soon, like the one we did for Buck Knives with uh, Kristen's nonprofit. Her forge is called Tor's Forge, like the Viking Tor, not Thor, but Tor. And uh, there's no site or anything for it yet. But basically, Todd writes for a lot of the gun magazines. He's a retired Green Beret. He's kind of a guy that beats the hell out of things and tests them. So he'll be doing a video through his survival channel, Odin's Wolf Survival. And uh, that'll be out soon. So I'll have to send it to you and I'll post it when it's out. But that's one of Kristen's knives and that. So perfect. You know, it's the, the things like that as well, too. Like, you know, companies stick by, you know, the integrity of everything, you know, rather than try to switch, like, you know, what the fad is on, you know, knives and things like that to where, you know, it's aesthetically made rather than quality made. You know, it's like, oh, it looks cool. But does it cut? Is it, you know, how's it handle and everything else of like all the important things of when you're, you know, selecting a knife and everything goes. So well, I mean, it's like, I mean, if you look at just on the knife side for another second, but if you look at some of the knife reviewers out there, I'd say a third of them I wouldn't even let, you know, run with scissors, if you know what I'm saying. They don't know what the hell they're doing. Like I've seen guys, you know, use oblong shape wood to baton through, and I'm just watching the video like some people watch NASCAR waiting for a wreck to happen. And like this dude's gonna end up stabbing himself or something. <laughs> and I keep waiting and I thank God they're short videos. But you know, and then the other thing is guys that baton through logs with their knives. It's cool it can do that, right? But realistically, if you read most manufacturer warranties, just like Glocks, if you use hand loads, it's an instant vo void of the warranty, right? Factory ammo only. It's the same thing with knives. If you're throwing them batoning or doing stupid shit, you void your warranty with a lot of companies. And me personally, I'm going to carry a light hatchet or axe, or I'm going to build a fire with smaller wood and deadfall. So to me, if a knife can baton through a log is less important because it's less of a practical skill and it dulls your blade. So if your blade's dull and you don't have a means of sharpening it, say it fell out of your pack, pocket, whatever. So you got a dull blade. What do you have for self-defense other than the point of the blade? Or what do you have for skinning and meal prep or shelter building if you dull your blade doing something stupid? And if you got to cut through four logs rather than just that one. Yeah. Well, I mean, true. And that's what I'm saying. You know, it's just, I don't know. It's it's common sense. It's uh, practicality versus, you know, what they try and do. You know, take the Hollywood side of it out, you know. Yes, sir. 100%. It's kind of like those little TV commercials you see for like the, the kitchen knives where they're just you know, cutting through the tomatoes and everything else, like it's butter, all of a sudden, you know, how long is that going to last? It wasn't the durability of it, the practical sense. Yeah. You know, you start cutting through bone and everything else. It's like, well, it's not really what it's made for, but hey, it works for the time being. <laughs> well, yeah, and I mean, there's, you know, there's a lot to know, you know, with your different tangs on fixed blades. Like, I'm more of a fixed blade guy, so, you know, an open tang versus a full tang versus a rat tail versus, you know, and there's, there's a lot. So, I mean... I always tell people, look at what you're doing. Um, look at how you're going to use it, how tough you are on it. You know, don't spend $500 for a knife if you're like a once in a week skin of fish kind of guy. So, yeah, then, so I know you wanted to kind of talk about individuals you look up to. Yeah. Because that's really important as well, too. You know, a lot of us kind of take for granted, like, you know, how we got where we are or, you know, who we follow, you know, kind of going into like the like-mindedness and, you know, a lot of times the individuals we look up to, you know, affect the careers we change, you know, whether we go into the military. I mean, there's so many different effects 
on, you know, who we look up to and like you see individuals that have, you know, posters of like basketball players, baseball players, football players on their walls and things like that. It's like, oh, yeah, that's my idol. It's like, well, you know, what are they doing for you? You know, I mean, hey, it's, it might be a great like superstar, but, you know, realistically, like, why do you look up to them? So. Well, uh, so there's a couple people, veteran and non-veteran alike, I guess. Um so growing up, you know, I, I was a G.I. Joe, 80s kid, Hulk Hogan, WWF, you know, say your prayers, take your vitamins thing, which I still kind of believe in a lot of that. I don't watch pro wrestling as much anymore because it's it's gotten lame. I'll just say it like that. But, uh, you know, so there's those guys. And then as far as like on the veteran side, even though I haven't personally met Hendrickson, the Green Beret that wrote Tip of the Spear. He's from the Northwest. I think he's living actually in Florida right now. But uh, he's a great dude. He's kind of a meat and potatoes, humble dude. If you read his book, you'll see it. Um, it. Severely injured multiple times and multiple IED explosions and on deployment over 10 significant injuries. We'll say it like that. Uh, four books that are in the Congressional Library, Good Dude, Gordon Yule Jr. Um, so those are two two quick veterans. Uh, Jason that I mentioned earlier, great, humble dude. Him and his wife both are just great people. So I I look up to them. And then, you know, um, on, a, on a business standpoint, uh, you know, from a business aspect, I like uh, Tony who owns Wooby Shoes. Because, you know, he talked about how a lot of people said no to him all the time and just how he kept persevering. And, you know, I look up to podcasters, a lot of them, your show I like. Um, Sean Ryan, his show is always entertaining. Some of Jocko's guests I like. It's kind of a different way of doing a show. So, I mean, there's all sorts of shows out there I like. Eventually, I'll start my own too. But, I mean, it's just. I don't know. I like people in general that are real people. You know, there's a lot of female vets out there, you know, doing some kick-ass stuff too that I look up to. And, you know, there's a lot of them. So I'm not going to mention anybody because the minute I forget somebody, I'm going to get an inbox full of hate. You know, there's a lot of good ladies out there too doing good things on the veteran first responder community too. So. And then how, how much of that impacts, you know, in your personal life plus as well as like, you know, the things that you do and the things that you plan to do with the greater veterans. Well, I mean, we did right before COVID hit, um, we were supposed to do the ladies of Liberty event where we were highlighting some female veterans. Uh, Megan Trapp was one of them. And uh, we want to kind of have more female veterans share their story. So that's kind of, you know, thinking about them and what they went through is a whole different thing than my military experience. Cause when I was in artillery was a male MOS, right? Like there was that female the first time when they did their quote pilot program, or as I like to call it their dog and pony show where there was a female in artillery that got honor grad. Right. And she was like five foot, nothing, a hundred and some pounds soaking wet. And I can tell you as someone who's six foot 250 now and was six foot 190 and solid when I was in, those rounds weigh about 100 pounds a piece. There's no way in hell she was slinging rounds like they said. I'm, I'll fly, use that bullshit word again on that. But you know how the military is at times. Yes, sir. You know, it's like even in weightlifting, you know, 
an average person should be able to, you know, bench press their body, their own body weight. And like, you know, being able to do double and things like that, you're considered like superhuman basically. Yeah. You know, it's the, there's like you just said, I mean, there's just no way. And, you know, one of my other friends, you know, who guessed you know, Ray Bashir's with Blue Shield Tactical is one of the conversations that I had as well, where a lot of people don't like to talk about it. But realistically, when it comes to physicality, it isn't an opinion. You know, it's it's science. It's real life to where, you know, men are constructed 100% different than a female when it comes to physicality and being able to handle certain things. You know, and, you know, I commend, you know, every female for wanting to, you know, implement themselves in a certain careers or roles and things like that. But, you know, when real reality hits in, it's not cut out for everyone. You know, you're going to have, you know, that one in a thousand that may be able to handle, you know, the requirements of, but it's not a case made basis. And there's going to be males as well too. So I don't want everybody to be like, Oh, well, this is just a one size all type thing. But, you know, I, I just like talking about the realities of things rather than just, Oh, that's just your opinion. No, it's not an opinion. It's, that's, it's a fact. Well, I mean, I was I was what they call the number one man in artillery. So I was in charge of loading, firing, clearing the howitzer, right? And there were some guys in our unit that, you know, looked like Pinocchio's anorexic cousin, you know, and not to pick on disorders, but, you know, and it, it is what it is. I mean, people need to stop, you know, being so thin skinned and some things are the way they are. And it's not a preference. It's not a, it's not anything other than reality, you know. 100%. And so, so what's next? So I know on your page, on your Facebook page, you have where individuals can, for that concert coming up and everything else, where they can donate. Is there a site or is there other ways that individuals can, you know, donate to greater veterans, whether it be for the concert or, you know, for the cause itself? So how, how do individuals actually, you know, provide to the actual cause or to the actual concert coming up. So the fa the Facebook page, Greater Veterans Spokane, but it's spelled the right way instead of phonetically like we spell our name. I have zero control over that page in terms of being able to log in. Facebook banned me for a post years ago and I haven't been able to fix it. But the PayPal link on there is still accurate or you can message me and I can send you that. Um. That's the primary way the website should have a link on there. I believe it does. We just redid it and we're not done redoing the website yet. Or you can message me personally. Perfect. And is there any, is there anything else you want to kind of talk about today or? No, just, you know, be you like, I mean, I'm not going to go into it too much, but you know, like I was talking to you about in the green room about the fish hobby thing I do too. Right. So that's something I used to do when I was in the military towards when I was getting out in Germany and just, you know, doing what helps you relax. Doesn't matter how acceptable or cool it is. Like not everyone that's a veteran has to be out on the range, you know, every Sunday, you know, Sunday doesn't have to be gun day. I would like it to be, but you know, ammo is still kind of tough to find. And so is time right now for me, but uh, you know, it's, it's one of the things I mess with. They're called discus fish. I bred them in Germany. They're pretty. They're expensive as hell. I have almost $800 tied up in seven fish, if that tells you anything. But uh, it, it's something I learned when I was in that I stumbled into that relaxes me. I also do writing and poetry, still working on the book. But uh, 
like I mentioned earlier, my garage is uninsulated and cold, so it's kind of hard to come out here and type without hypothermia or frostbite sometimes. <laughs> oh, yeah, I get it. Get but, I mean, for so, what makes you happy, you know? Yeah, I mean, and that's another thing, too, is, like, with the, the writing of the book and everything, too, that's what's nice about technology, being able to, like, kind of do a voice record, you know, to kind of remind yourself, like, what to kind of type about or write about later on. Yeah. You know, and, but, you know, you made a comment, too, about to just be you. So, like, you know, the whole thing with my truth, the reality of the headline, it's the, you see, and, like, I don't understand liars, because it's like, then you always have to remember what lie you told somebody, and it's, you know, with cameras and stuff nowadays, everybody's using a filter, nobody wants to be themselves, everybody's trying to, you know, go against their own beliefs to try to be accepted by others, and it's just like, you know, if you don't like me, just, you know, kick rocks, you know, but it's the... Nobody yeah. likes to hear positive, you know, encouragement and things like that. Everybody always wants to, you know, try to put that down. You show a, a dog mounting a sheep, you know, everybody will be like, oh, my God, that's good stuff. But you try to promote something that is for a good cause and provide service to another. It's like, oh, I don't know about that. So, Well, and a lot of, a lot of times, I mean, we've worked with nonprofits that help veterans and first responders that are started by someone who is uh, neither a veteran or a first responder, and they go, well, I don't like how you feel like you have to compete with us. And I said, first of all, you're always competing for donations locally, nationally, doesn't matter. But what I don't like is like, if you're working with someone else and say you're cross promoting each other's events, right? They want you to share their event on, you know, your peak social media days, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, but yet asking them to share your events, like a big deal. And it's like, that's why I tell people, I said, you know, if I share something, it's not always a direct endorsement unless I say it is. But if someone asks me to share something, if they're looking for some kind of help, whether they're a veteran or not, I help because it takes how long does it take you to share a post? Right. And that's like some of these Facebook pages as well, too. You know, it's a, it's supposed to be a resource and everything else, but you can't share a link or you can't share a resource. It's kind of comical when you think about it, but it's just like, you know, it's, it's like everybody wants to hold you back unless it applies to them and benefits them as a whole. And it's just insane. So, well, and you know, you know how, like we talked about it earlier with some of these, you know, more perceived veteran celebrity types. You know, if you're not at 4 million followers like them, then you, you don't exist unless you want to book them for an event or buy their product in large volumes. And, you know, that's, I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't know if I'll ever be that big or not, and I don't really care. I mean, I'm not doing this for that, and if I was, I'd use it for good. I mean, it's, you know, in my opinion, the only reason someone would ever want to be rich, in my mind, is to do good with it, live comfortably and do good. But greed's alive in some people's eyes, no matter how much they have, and you can't change it, right? But I don't believe in being greedy. I mean, I want to have fun, help people, and be able to at the end of my days, look back and say it was worth it before I go and leave a legacy worth remembering like I tell my kids. And some people, it's less important to them, so that's on them. But I'm not going to change me no matter what. 100%. I encourage you not to. You know, it's the, you got to stay true to you. I mean, staying true to yourself is going to draw the like-minded people in and those are going to receive the services that you are. And I mean, we'll get we'll get it to where it needs to be and everything. So just appreciate you know, it. Don't, don't get discouraged and... You know, it's the it's needed, regardless if it's one or if it's 10, 10 million, you know, it's still affecting, you know, another life. So keep it going strong. Amen to that.
And thank, thank you so much for your time today, Nick. And, you know, reach out again. I'd love to have you on again. You know, I kind of want to do a show based strictly around greater veterans here in the near future so we can kind of, you know, collaborate and have others on here as well, too, so we can kind of boost it to where it needs to be and everything as well, too, for you. All let right. me know. Let me know when you know how to get a hold of me. And, uh, you know, I appreciate everything and every opportunity you've given us. That's right. I appreciate you so much. And, you know, thank you for what you do. And stay safe and stay blessed in all things, brother. You too. Thank you. Always.